19 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We go straight into the latest in the world of money and power. Joining me tonight uh, for our business wrap is the founder and chief investment officer at Markwe Fund Managers, and that's Markwe Masilela. Markwe, who's it, bro? Sure does it, my and good evening to the listener. Hey, thank you, Nandi, my sweet. Can't complain, my brother. Makwe, let's maybe start off there in our municipalities. And, uh, yeah. you know, whenever yeah. we're going to talk about municipalities, it's always a bit of an issue. But, um, I mean, I find this group very interesting. Afrikaans business lobby, if I can put it that way, called Saka Licha. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it seems every day they are in the news in some shape or form uh, for the strategic litigation and, I guess, legal contests that they put up. And in some cases, I guess, like these ones in the municipalities, uh, would agree with it. And in some cases, I guess, also attacks on, you know, pieces of transformation legislation. Um, just your thoughts, Mark, we're first on that before we get into the merits of what it is they're suggesting here. I, it's very interesting because the very same guys, which are the households, the residents, they bring the money and then it will get to a point where you get your utilities, meaning your water bottles and your, even your escoms, closing them down or off because they have not received the money. Mm. And the middle man this time is the municipality taking the money and using it for other things. Mm, mm, mm. And I guess, I mean, that's what they are now suggesting, the creation of a special master... Uh, or I guess a special administrative process led by the master of the high court, uh, whose job effectively is going to be to take the payments from households and firms and pay them over to the bulk service providers, ESCOM, the water boards, and everybody. Sure. And and it's different from the different problems that we've been seeing that you find that the communities or residents are refusing to pay for the services. These ones are paying, but unfortunately the money doesn't go where it's supposed to go. And I promise you, at some point, the other ones who are going to definitely feel the pain because they will be stopped or they won't get those services anymore. And I don't think, I, why are we at this point? Is it supposed to get up until here that the community is trying to come with ways to make sure that at least their livelihoods continue, that the local economy doesn't have to close? Because if it has to close, it means people have to relocate. And you know, I mean, I guess the, and and that's the big issue that those relocations are going to be to city centers. And then that effectively reinforces the spatial or uneven spatial distribution of like production in South Africa. I mean, a lot of the money, a lot of the investment, a lot of the employment, a lot of the production happens in South Africa, all of the urban centers, Cape Town, Durban, Johannesburg, Mm -hmm. Kabecha, rather than, I guess, you know, the interior um, where many, many, many people come from. And already those areas are struggling. Those areas are not even coping, you know, to deal or handle the people who are already there. And besides all that, let's say there was space anyway that they can be accommodated. So people have to get to that point mm. that, listen, you as the local authorities are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, we forget that the national government, provincial government, they can come and say all these things, but the real action happens at the local economy. That's where we have to see not only service delivery, but those local governments have to be very, very effective because that's where the action is. And really, this is just uncalled for. And we hear that the... National treasuries are also against this, that in all reason you'll be removing the constitutional right or constitutional responsibilities of local government. But what is the plan? You know, if you say they must not do it, but what is the plan? 
Yeah. You know, if we have a plan, and these are the municipalities which is so well documented that they are not just bankrupt, but they continue to be deeply in the red. There's no hope. I mean, if the government itself has decided to place those municipalities under administration, it means they acknowledge that they cannot do the job. Mm. They cannot perform. And, and you know, I mean, I, what is always for me very sad, especially with some of these municipalities in question here in, in the Northwest uh, and in other parts of the country, is that all of the other interventions within the executive, so you find MEC of Cogta will intervene, place uh, the uh, municipality under administration, dissolve the council, do all of those things. Yet there's never a seeming turnaround. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's why now people are trying to suggest alternative approaches to just make sure you keep the lights on, you know, you keep the taps running. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's a major it's a major issue. And whenever, Mark, when we talk about reforms, I never hear a suggestion around what the solution or what the pact or what the agreement is going to be around uh, municipalities. Because in some cases, you know, I mean, the dysfunction is so deep. I heard a story the other day of... Um, you know, municipality that had, you know, two mayors from the same political organization. And you can only imagine, I mean, the implication that has on the ability to deliver services, but also on the ability to attract business, investment and jobs into many of these areas. Exactly. Because those municipalities are supposed to be competing on those bases, you know, that they have to attract all these uh, new investments coming to their part. But I am saying what you've just said is just so interesting. I mean, we're all making noise that because state-owned enterprises don't perform, then they have to be closed down or they have to be uh, privatized. What happens to departments or a local municipality who doesn't perform? Maybe we need to privatize mm. them as well. Mark, No, but here we are. State-owned enterprises that are wasting our money, stuff like that, because they don't perform. And then you say, no, then maybe it needs to be privatized. But I mean, you know why I'm a bit jittery about that, Mark? I mean, I think privatization in particular, like water services in South Africa, is not a new thing. Uh, There are municipalities who have tried it before, and it's led to disastrous outcomes. Um, No, but you you don't privatize those services. So what do you privatize? Those services is not an issue. People are even paying for them. People who are running those municipalities. That's what you say when it comes to state and enterprises that let them be closed down, let them be privatized. So the guys are supposed to offer and run that service, which are your local authorities that are not doing mm. their job. So what do you do with them? Because even there at the water boards, I mean, water boards will never be financially viable, Mark, if they are not getting <laughs> what is due to them from their main customers, which are the municipalities. And you know, I mean, I guess... What it also means, Mark, are opportunities for cross-selling. I mean, we won't be surprised to find, you know, in some of the other operations within the, the famous brand's banner, uh, products that might be prepackaged from Lexi. So maybe at a Wimpy or at a Mug and Bean or yeah. Fago or, or any of the other sort of the brands that there would be some alignment with. That's a good point, and that's also a good market for them as well, because as we're saying, the very same products, you can end up finding them at other, you know, Winpies, you name them, you know, as well. But apparently, these guys, that thing is more aligned to what you call their signature brands, which yeah. is fund, uh, fund dining portfolio, okay. which will provide a more comprehensive offering to landlords 
where the group already has a presence and to existing and prospective customers. But that's a good point, that one about cross-selling. Mm. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. And then, of course, they also want to get in on some of the retail stores. I mean, uh, you might see at a shop right or at a pick and pay a setup that um, I guess would allow them, uh, which I guess is to your point, uh, the real estate dimensions of that. So I see Shia Mark, just for a second and go to... Um, the trade impasse between Beijing and Washington. Uh, the trade representative uh, sharing some remarks here, Catherine Tai, U.S. trade uh, um, chief, uh, saying uh, if for them if it's going to be a defensive posture from here onwards. And uh, she was saying this at a congressional committee meeting earlier on today. Uh, and uh, yeah, what do you make of this, Mark? Because I think many of us had been operating under the impression that at least under the Biden government, there might be some progress in making sure that uh, you know those in Washington are able to find one another with their counterparts in Washington, uh, sorry, in Beijing, and it just seems now that uh, the tone of it is getting much more adversarial than uh, what uh, many of us would have expected. I think you know the, the the principle. No one can fight that principle. That listen, there's been unfair trade between those two countries, and maybe the question, maybe bad you know, uh, differing from. Uh, the, the predecessor was a question of the approach. But as it is, I think everyone knows that this guy had an unfair compo- uh, competition or a fair, an unfair or the battlefield. The trading fields were not leveled. So, yes, uh, this guy, the former guy, sure, Donald Trump managed, you know, to act on that. But was he right or wrong? I think his right hands up. Uh, 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 Joe Biden is also continuing with all that. And the guys that are right, you cannot make China to change. You just have to find a different way to deal with them and be defensive. And we've seen it worked during the long time, time that they imposed those tariffs and the guys tried to retaliate. But at some point they said let's have an FS1 agreement that this is how much you'll buy from us, stuff like that. Meaning the guys ultimately acknowledged without mentioning it that yes, this has not been fair for quite some time. So the try I mean you look at the surplus, you know, the trade surplus between the those two countries, it continues to widen. It shows that China so far it has been the one that has been benefiting from that kind of trade. And being defensive I think it's one of those positions ultimately you just have to take. Ah, yeah, you can talk to people about it at a certain point. But at some point you have to act, especially if it starts affecting your people in the form that jobs get to be lost, you know, stuff like that. Factories start moving out, you know. And I think it also talks to those all idea about it, that the tax tariff, the tax regime, that they need to deal with countries who are trying to go to the countries where they pay their tax and mm, have factories mm. there, that listen, we should have at least a minimum, you know, uh, international tax rate. So I think that's also another issue to address this whole yeah, thing yeah. of people maybe running away to countries where they end up uh, offering very cheap or low tax, uh, what do you call it, regimes, mm. in order to attract investment. But yeah, China has to be dealt with when they do wrong things, same applies to the U.S. Yeah. When they are wrong and doing wrong things, definitely we have to take hey, Mark, a very Mark, defensive position. Mark, with the spillover, man, of this thing, I mean, we know at the moment there's a lockdown in China, a resurgence of Omicron, shut down factories, shut down port infrastructure for imports and exports out of what is in effect the factory of the world. Um, and then you've got the Ukraine-Russia situation. We're already dealing with the spillovers of that. Can we... 
I guess, benefit in any shape or form from yes. you know, sharpening of the tensions between these two superpowers and the two largest economies in the world? Yes, we can. These things are not permanent. You know, Shanghai can be closed, you know, for three weeks, a month, stuff like that. We've seen the world economies that were closed for four months, five months, then they reopened. The Ukraine-Russian issue is not going to be there forever. You know, at some point, the world is going to end next week or after a month, but it's going to end. But the fundamentals still remains and the fundamentals need to be corrected. These are just temporary hiccups when it comes to the shutdown, when it comes to the escalation of the crisis between Russia mm-hmm. and Ukraine. So that does not make us not to address the fundamental question. And but, I think that's yeah. where we go wrong. And I would just have to compromise at some point that this is the actions that we have to take. They might be painful, short to medium term, but the long-term effect mm. will be beneficial and be more sustainable. And I think that's why people are shying away from making those decisions, especially if in that particular time they are not popular decisions. It has to be done. But Mark, here's the other part of my question. Now we know there are all these tensions, right? There might not be buying of Chinese goods in the U.S. market. What opportunities does all of that substitution away from traditional places where people might be getting inputs, might be getting final produced goods or whatever? How does that maybe open up space for some of our own producers here? Because I think you're right. I mean, there are a lot of unpopular decisions that a lot of people are suggesting need to be made. But uh, I would also think that as with any crisis, you don't want to waste it. There are also opportunities for our own producers in South Africa to benefit. I mean, we heard uh, around the coal issue that um, the shifting of coal buying decisions away from Russia to South Africa might be a boon for many coal players, the likes of Tungela and others here in South Africa. What are the other spaces? But you have to be careful. There can be opportunities, but the opportunities might be too expensive. Aha, because there's also the transit. So I think what, what we should be doing instead, we should be focusing on our own markets that we can create as we have signed our free trade agreement here in Africa. To say, let the guys continue with their own smaller yana battles, mm. let's strengthen our relationship here, let's have all systems in place so that we make sure that we optimize and benefit as Africa from the this Africa Free Trade Agreement. Because you cannot live your life by saying, I'm going to wait for crisis, mm. and when there's a crisis, then I'll take an opportunity. Sure. And yes, where the opportunities then are affordable and not that expensive, by all means, step into them. But long term, you should be having your own plan. Yeah, that what yeah. is it that I'm making sure that I'm growing my own market in mm. South Africa and other African countries. Makwe, always a pleasure catching up with you, bro. Danko. That there was Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and founder at Makwe Fund Managers, helping us with our business wrap. Business wrap. Business wrap of the day. On Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Klawe. Send your voice notes.